You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. Uh, we continue with this conversation that we're having, uh, that uh, it, it, we're finding Paul in a prison. We're journeying through a book in the New Testament. If you're not familiar, it's called a, uh, the book of uh, Philippians. It's a, it's a church just like 360, a church just like every other church on the corner. And they have a group of, of Christ followers who have come and, uh, to gather and to, to grow in Christ. Paul has been an ambassador. Paul took three missionary journeys. This church in Philippi was uh, planted in Europe, basically, and on his second journey. And on that second journey, he found uh, supporters that, uh, that really uh, walked with him uh, for, the, for the majority of his ministry. So he's got a really, really close connection to this church in the city of Philippi. What we've seen in this theme of anyway that's kind of woven through this, uh, this letter that he's written to them is a, uh, a, a sense of what we're calling an anyway mindset. We began by looking at his, uh, his thoughts toward him being in prison, that he could have been bitter, he could have been, uh, just had a, a, you know, a sourpuss uh, uh, attitude, but he said the ministry is going to go on anyway because it doesn't rest on any one of us. So today we continue in this journey because we're really learning, I think, in our culture today, this anyway spirit is, is so relevant because there are a lot of what we're talking about today, a lot of headwind. Uh, there's a lot of wind coming in, in the direction of, of us. And, and sometimes we think that headwind is coming from the outside, and sometimes it does. I was just on line last night, uh, late night for for those in Northern Africa, and uh, one of our one of our directors traveling in Northern Africa, and it is so incredibly dangerous, and the headwind from for them is very, very, very high risk, and uh, we could talk about that this morning. But sometimes the headwind comes from within. Sometimes there's this wind, there's like a draft within your home, and you're trying to figure out where in the world did this come from? And so Paul begins to refer to those uh, within his own church family and uh, within, the, within the Jesus team, so to speak, and that's how he's going to address it. I think sometimes these conversations are important. Because if we're not prepared for them, you can get hurt by your own family. And in this case, your own church family. If you're not prepared, if you've been around the block for any amount of time, you'll know that in the, in the church culture, there's never any arguments. Everyone gets along. No one gets ticked off. No one gets hurt. If you've ever been in, this, in, the, in the church culture for any length of time, you know there are sometimes potholes, sometimes there's torpedoes, sometimes there's all that. And unless we really are able to embrace an anyway spirit, I'll predict that you could be taken down. That there's another kind of risk, the risk of you becoming disillusioned, dissatisfied, disappointed, 
and disconnect it ultimately. And sometimes when we blame others or things that happen in the church, some of you have been hurt. I could write a book. I could write a book, honestly. 41 years in the ministry, I could write a book. And if we don't have the right mindset, then we take us and all our fractures out on God. And it happened at one intersection of, of our lives that we're like, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of done with the church, I'm kind of burned out. We're going to step out for a while. Probably some of the worst years of our lives. And during that time, I thought, you know what? God is still God. He still loves his church. And it's me that needs to have the mindset. It's me that has the, the mindset. So I was thinking this week, Sometimes I love a visual. I was thinking this week, um, underneath my, my uh, son's bed, there's this huge, huge, you know, you slide those things under the bed, this huge container of the most valued toy in the world. In fact, in the last nine years, it has been top of the list of the most valued toy around the world. And it is? Legos. Legos. <laughs> Look at those Legos. Do you know how many Legos there are in the world right now at last count? Are you ready for it? 400 billion. Is that amazing? 400 billion. If you do the math, that means every individual of the 8 billion people on the planet, every one of us gets 50 Legos. That's enough to build something. <laughs> And, and when you look at the Legos, in fact, I wish I had a couple. Oh, wait, I do. <laughs> There's something crazy about a Lego. Any idea how many different Legos there are? Shapes, sizes, colors, 70,000. 70,000 different kinds of Legos, 400 billion around the world, and yet all 400 billion, no matter which size and shape and color of the 70,000, here's something fascinating. They all still connect together. Amen. <laughs> the body of Christ is like one massive collection of Legos. Just look at all you different Legos. <laughs> and yet the intention of God is that amongst our differences, we all connect. We are designed to connect no matter where we are in the journey. Paul writes from prison, Philippians chapter 1 verse 15. He's speaking about those who are preaching Christ, but they've got some really nefarious motivations, motives. And when he begins to write, understand that he's not talking about people that are making tents or doing, you know, crafts or, you know, they're doctors, they're plumbers, they're, you know, He's talking about something that is very, very, very close to him. That's preaching Christ because he is a preacher. Amen. He says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. 
but some others out of goodwill. The latter, I always hate that latter former thing, the latter, those who are preaching in goodwill, do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of preaching the gospel. The former, those who are preaching out of envy and rivalry, preach Christ out of complete selfish ambition. They're in it for the money, they're in it for the fame, they're in it for all those types of things. Supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. I'm writing this letter to you, Philippians, so that you can revenge them for me. Those nasty, different Legos. <laughs> but Paul is so grounded in, in God that he's like, I'm not going to let them, are you ready? Chain me twice. I'm chained already in a prison, but if, you don't, if you're not aware of it, we can be chained twice, internally and externally. Paul is externally chained. He says, I'm not going to be internally chained by this attitude of being angry and I can't even do anything about it. He says, but what does it matter? It seems ridiculous to say, what does it matter? They're preaching Christ and they're doing it for selfish reasons. How can you say that? What does, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether their motives are off or on, from false motives are true, Christ is preached. Amen. And because of this, I'm going to be happy. I'm jazzed. I'm in a prison cell. What's the next song? That, my friends, is freedom, no matter, even for a man who's imprisoned physically. That's remarkable. This core of what Paul is saying is so important to us because often we cannot see the motivation of other people. Why did he say that? Why did she do that? How come she didn't do that? How come they didn't respond? I can't believe he was so short. I can't believe he was so long. I can't believe all these different, right? Why did he do that? Well, I'll tell you why. We become motive masters. I know exactly what they were thinking, right? Trust me. I've been married long enough to know that this is a marriage killer. Oh, I know exactly what you meant. No, I didn't mean that at all. Oh, yes, you did. Because I am a mind reader. I'm a motive reader, right? It's a killer when you look at this. And somehow, have you ever noticed that we excuse in ourselves what we don't tolerate in others? I was in a hotel recently and you know sometimes when you're moving around honestly you do wake up and think where am I and you get a little bit discombobulated and I'm like okay I'm, and, and so in the middle of the night you know got to go to the restroom so I'm going to go in the bathroom and so I'm walking there and then I see this person in my hotel room I'm like wah and it was a mirror it was <laughs> So, 
<laughs> I'm like, who is this stranger? This Lego doesn't belong in this. Oh, oh, it's a, it's a Lego just like me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm a, I'm a, this kind of Lego. I'm a red Lego, and those are the best Lego. My precious, you know. I mean. <laughs> There's nothing new about this. I just want to give you a sampling of, of these moments. For example, John's disciples. Uh, and there's, a, there's a question, Mark 2. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came to Jesus and said, hey, how's, why do John's disciples fast and the, disciple, or the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting? How come you're not doing that? Hey, wait a minute. Seems like this is not even. I don't like this difference between us. You remember Jesus had sent out um, uh, some disciples, and uh, they had a they had an issue, and uh, and and sometimes even this whole thing uh, was um, just crazy how people began to uh, just get confused. Watch, some disciples, uh, John the Baptist's disciples, came to John. They said, "Hey, Rabbi." The man who was with you, Jesus, on the other side of the Jordan, the one who testified, well, he's baptizing. And everybody's going over to him. Because we're losing here. And so often, the thing that can create tension is not just a, a motive reader. I'm, I read your motive. But a lot of times what happens is that it's what I'm going to call a scarcity mindset as opposed to an abundance mindset. A scarcity mindset is, oh, he's doing that, I lose. Oh, there, Paul said, hey, there, you know, some people are doing this out of motive, and, and you're doing something where I'm gonna lose. But let me tell you something, in Christ, we don't lose. Everything is, I love your opening statement, Donna. Are you a multiplying, are you multiplying? It's a great opener, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> If you're single, hey, what do you think about multiplying? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it worked. Hey, you guys got married. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> In Christ, it's multiple. God's like, hey, you do it, we do it, you do it. Tonight we're we're meeting as leaders in this church. And I don't, I've been subtly or maybe not so subtly planting seeds like we are the church out there. How do we train each other, learn from each other exactly what Jim and Don are doing? How do we do this better and train ourselves to do it out there? And, and as a church pastor, it could easily, oh no, they're doing it out there, not in here. And the message that is from an abundance mindset is no, go keep doing it. There's no loss here. That there are plenty of people. In fact, there are 86% of Sarasota that are not walking in rhythm with God. Oh, to, to quote Jesus, look at the field, man. It is. It's open territory. Yeah, don't, don't worry about we're not losing here. We're only gaining. Here's another one. Remember, uh, disciples were sent out. Some people didn't welcome them. They came back, Luke chapter 9, when the disciples, James and John, saw that they weren't welcome. They asked Jesus, hey, Lord, do you want us to call fire down and absolutely melt these Legos? 
Let's review the great command again of love one another, shall we? Jesus said, come on, guys. And then Paul even ran into this. He said, my brothers, some of you are from Chloe's household, probably their church, have informed me that there are quarrels among you, Legos. I mean in this, that one of you says, hey, I follow Paul. Other says, I follow Apollo. Some I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Blah, 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 blah. You know, blah, blah. It just goes on. What I'm saying here in this sampling is that there's nothing new under the sun. What could be new under the sun is your liberation. That could be new for you. If you are a mistake collector, it's time to be liberated. That there's an internal prison that when people do things differently or they had even, look, even they had the wrong motive. It wasn't because at the center of what Paul is saying is Christ. Christ. We have to look at each other and say, look, you may do it, your Lego looks different than mine, but Christ is in the midst of it. Watch this. It requires this anyway resolve. First Corinthians chapter two, Paul said this this way When I came to you, brothers, hey, I wasn't the best speaker. I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom. I, I, I wasn't, you know, just this great, learned, you know, orator. As I proclaimed to you about the testimony of what God had done in my life. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. At the end of our service, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have our church family just pray as we normally do. But I want to, I told one of our directors around the world that we'd pray for him. He's in a, I won't use his name, I can't use his location, but he's in a highly dangerous area. And he received a notice from the court this past week for his activities, which means he's sharing the gospel. He has shared the gospel and brought small circle disciple-making tools to probably 90% of this country. And uh, he has been reported. And uh, that could mean a lot of different things. But we believe in a God of miracles. He just informed me of this um, two days ago. And last night, he, this is what he said. Some people want to register a case against me about activities of what we are doing. Please pray for that. I got a message from court that this is going to be happening next week, which means this coming week. I need more prayers. I can stand firm during this time. I'm praying that the people will know who is our God. That's all. That's all. Those two words, when I read those two words, I'm like, He's got it more than most of us, including me. That with all of our challenges and all of our tough things and differences and different shapes of our Legos, I'm just praying that they'll know who our God is. And this is kind of where I want to just kind of 
land for, for us to remember. Here's the thing. Sometimes I think as human beings, we forget that we are painting a picture constantly when we don't even realize it. And we're painting this picture by our consistency or our inconsistency. We're painting our pic a picture by how we react or how we don't react. We often think we paint a picture by taking a stand for Christ, but our life, as we saw last week, is a letter that people are reading. If you've ever had a teenager turning from you know, 14 to 16, you'll know that your driving as an adult, as a parent, becomes under high scrutiny. <laughs> now that they're learning, you know, they've read the manual from the DMV. Uh, hey, you know, you didn't stop at that corner, Dad. You know, <laughs> didn't, pull, didn't come to a full close on that. You know, and I uh, just tell them to shut up and you keep them doing whatever. <laughs> Every single Lego person has been created in the image of God. And we are painting a picture to the world. When Jesus prayed for intimacy in John 17, I pray that they will be one father like you and I are one. I pray that they will be one with us so that the world will believe and then the world will believe. The world cannot believe imprisoned people, imprisoned to their own jealousy, their own rivalry, their own angst, their own all those things. There, that's not a believable message. The believable message is I'm a broken Lego and you're a broken Lego, but God has made us to connect with one another and that paints the picture of a God who loves us in our brokenness anyway. Amen. That's a God that people want because intrinsically we know we're all broken and yet we all know that we want to be connected and we all want to be connected and we're disgusted at war and we're disgusted at unfairness and we're disgusted at injustice and we're disgusted at poverty that can be controlled and, and changed we're disgusted by all the the, the the political mishmash and it's going to be a rock and roll year we're disgusted by it all People are already getting all that junk in every single line of news that will broadcast on this particular day and tomorrow. What they need is a different broadcast, a broadcast that says, wow, those people are different, and yet they still get along. The, 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 what's at stake is so much higher than having a healthy Philippian church. Just getting along, the stakes are high that we are preaching the gospel by how we act and not just by what we say. Amen. Years ago, a man named Dan Kimball wrote a, a, a book called They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. And he, he wrote these words, people notice when we bicker among ourselves. I've heard Christians ripping apart other Christians over whether they believe in issues such as the gift of tongues, women in ministry, end time scenarios, and other similar issues on which wonderful godly Legos have different viewpoints. <laughs> and guess who watches this? The younger Christians in our church, and then those on the outside of our churches wind up hearing about these things. This past week, I reached out to a pastor I've never met before. 
I've heard of him. I know him. He's been in this area, and now he's living in a different state. He's living in a different state because he was crucified by his own. Nothing immoral that he did, but just a stupid disagreement. I reached out to him and said, I've been down this path and I know how painful it is, but I know it's painful to your wife. I know it's disillusioning and very confusing for your children. I know that. And I just want you to know that you are not to give up, that the body of Christ needs you. And I know the crew that stirred up the dust. They are, this is, as I know, the fourth church, including this one. I don't take it lightly. Not because you can't, you get pretty thick skin as a, as a leader. You learn how to bounce it off, learn how to say, hey, but for the kingdom of Christ, for the kingdom of Christ, guys, if we have, dis- if we have a disagreement, if we don't disagree, fine, leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't leave. <laughs> we work it out. <laughs> Come on, we work it out. The enemy hates unity. The enemy hates it because it's showing the solidarity of purpose and mission. So if we disagree on something, guess what? We are still two Legos of different color, shape, size that are intended to connect to one another. So let's build something incredible in Legoland. What do you say? James chapter 3, verse 9. With the tongue, we have worship services. We praise our Lord and Father. And with that same tongue, we curse men. And here it is, who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. I uh, want to close by this incredible, historic reality, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, probably two of the most brilliant minds and artists and creative thinkers that we've known in history. They were, in fact, at times commissioned to work on the same project, kind of as collegos painting. They hated each other. They hated each other. Same creator, same, same masterful gifts that had been given to them, and yet they couldn't work beside each other. They were commissioned to do this really important piece, to paint an image, as we are to paint an image to the world. And they had to do it at separate times because... God forbid these two Legos would ever come close to one another. And because of their imprisonment to their hatred toward one another, neither one of them finished the work. And in fact, 
they ended up having just to, to paint the wall over both of their unfinished works. We're never going to finish painting the picture that God asked us to paint unless we're able to connect with each other. Red, white, blue, yellow, green, black, brown, doesn't matter. Look at that. Really different. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but listen carefully. It just comes together. You hear the tension? You hear that? But finally, man, you can put these bad boys together somehow, some way. <laughs> It's <laughs> kind of hoping for a snap on that. But. but look at that. And they're one. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for this reminder. We get bent out of shape, uh, as you know, God, so much. And some things just over over the silliest of things sometimes it happens because some people know more than others and and all of a sudden we lose sight of those two words that's all that Christ be preached and and that we paint a picture of a God who loves unity Father Son Holy Spirit just intrinsically and deeply unified that's our God that's who you are Father, we've been talking about church culture here, but I pray, God, for those that may know right exactly what I'm talking about, maybe within their own families. They're imprisoned by unforgiveness. They're imprisoned by being hurt by somebody else and just can't seem to find that key to open the door to grace. Maybe it's in a work relationship. Maybe it's a neighbor. God, help us to be master painters that get along. Legos intended to connect. But we can't do that, Father, without you. Within our own system, human systems of brokenness and emotions and memories and all those things, God, Sometimes we just can't seem to find an open door out of, the, out of those inner prisons. So I just pause right now for those that might just ask you, even in this moment where they're, they're freshly struck by your word and your Holy Spirit, God, would you free me? Maybe that's your prayer. There's just a, there's a stronghold, God. There's an imprisonment. I need a breakthrough, God, please. I give it to you. I don't even feel like forgiving. I don't even feel like it, but I, I'm definitely imprisoned in some way. God, would you open the door through the Holy Spirit? Free me, God, right now. Free me. Is that your prayer? liberated from this anger I've got inside. Maybe it happened yesterday, maybe it happened 23 years ago. Still holds the key, God. I want you to hold the key. Breakthrough, God. 
rattle the cages, rattle the jail cell. Open it. Is that your desperate prayer? God, release me from this. Father, today we pray for our dear brother in this country, uh, as a family, as children. You know him so well. Been so faithful to to preach the the gospel of Christ, to see people grow through disciple making, and we know God, you love him. As a church family, for those in this room, for those online right now, we call on you for your your hand, your iron hand of protection to blind eyes that need to be blinded, to open a way and to help him, God, to keep moving for the kingdom. We pray, Father, for miracles. We pray, God, for miracles. God, we pray for miracles from you in this circumstance. Thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world who are willing to preach Christ anyway. They teach us. We learn from them wherever we work, live, and play. Father, today we close this prayer by thinking of those who have been stirred enough to either tune in to a church service or a podcast or come into a building where where a church family gathers because they're looking for you. So often, God, we think we're just looking for a, a pardon. We're looking to be better people. We're looking to be more spiritual. But God, we're really looking for you at the end of the day. And so we pray, God, for those who are coming and they're looking, they're searching for you. And we're praying, God, because we've all been there. I know how confusing and, and, uh, and challenging that can be to figure it all out. So we're grateful that you made it simple. There are not thousands of gods. There, there is one. There are not hundreds of avenues to heaven. There's one. There's one Savior that was foretold for hundreds of years, one promised Messiah, one rescuer of the human race, the Lamb of God, Jesus. And because of him, God, the simplicity that we find in him, we come to you and we give those to you that are searching. And if you're searching today, listen, it is we trip over the simplicity of transferring our old life for Christ's new one. There is no other that died for your sins. There was no other that walked perfectly on this earth, fully God, fully man, who put himself on a cross and gave his life for you. There is one mediator between man and and God. That is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we, with all of our brokenness, every Lego on this planet, we might become the righteousness of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever, which includes you, whoever believes in Christ will have everlasting life, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Those words are ringing true. God is inviting you. God is drawing you. God is magnetizing you. None of us can fully understand that draw because it's mysterious. But listen carefully. God is calling you to acknowledge your need before him. God, I need you. Between you and him, 
between you and him. It starts in the inner chamber of that, that private self between your soul and God. God, I come to you and I'm just saying to you, I need you. If you start right there, then you can take the next step. We must start. You must start. I must start. God, I need you. And in particular, I need a savior because I'm a broken Lego. I'm sinful. I have mistakes. And I can't be perfect. So I need you, God. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Is that your prayer? Am I speaking the desperate mode of your heart right now? You quietly speak to God right now. If we're sitting in this room, you're sitting at home, wherever you are, God, I need you. I need a Savior. Secondly, trust in Christ alone. We're all trusting in something. You might be even trusting in good behavior to make you okay with God. It's not enough. The Bible clearly says it. You need Christ who will forgive all your sins. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he'll forgive all your sins. But he... But it's a trust. you got to trust in Him. I need a Savior, God. I trust in Christ alone. And finally, this life I've been leading, I turn it in. Just like I'd go to a store and turn something in. I'm asking God for an exchange. My life for yours. Would you breathe new life in me? I need a Savior. I trust in Christ alone. Oh, God, would you breathe new life in me? Speak to Him. Speak to him like you've never spoken to him before. Don't delay. He's drawing you. Thank you so much, Father, for today. We go out of this place, painters, an incredible God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.